to Seems to Me with your co-hosts, Sibylline Sariano and Steve Ricardo. Hi, handsome. Hi, handsome? <laughs> yeah. You, you're just saying that because I have a shirt that has yellow on it because you love yellow so I much. I do. Because you're got a, yellow. He's got a smoking shirt on today, pet folks. It's Vans, believe it or We're not. We're like talking fashion forward here, Mr. Steven, Steve Ricardo. It's it's a Vans flannel shirt, believe and it or not. And it's yellow and like kind of grayish blue. And it's plaid, which is one of tartan plaid is a big trend this fall, as well as window pane. So that's kind of falls right in between the two. So well done. Well done, Mr. Well, thank Ricardo. You. I'm trying to keep hold my reputation of being it. a fashion plate in line. <laughs> he, he wore it just for me, peeps. Just I did. for me. I did. So to keep on our uh, on our fashion our little fashion trends here, I'm gonna go right into some. I'm Harper's sorry, I'm laughing, trend. but you're holding Coco <laughs> and she Coco's sibling's dog, <laughs> and she's do this. The first, I don't know. Maybe other podcasts have done with dog been do, done with dogs in hand, but I've got know. my dog in hand. Do you want to say hi, Coco? When you I want to sniff and say hi. <laughs> when I get my new cat, I'm going to bring my cat in here. It's going to be like oh cats boy. and dogs at the, in <laughs> the podcast. That'll be like room. Tom and Jerry. <laughs> They'll be running after each other. So here we are, late October, and we are starting to think about winter wardrobes, I would think, or fall wardrobes. I've pulled out my first sweater of the season today, and you've got your flannel plaid on. So, you know, here we are. Here we are, fall fashion. The weather did change rather rapidly. Yeah, like, didn't boom, it? I haven't even changed over my wardrobe, my closets yet. Welcome to New England. I know. I pulled out my boots this weekend and my sweater, and I still have to move everything around. But I think we've got some really cool fashion trends coming our way. Like There was actually more than I could even mention, but I think this is a really cool little quote I'm going to read you. Fashion is back in a big way. After several months inside, meanwhile, after several, you know, what seemed like several years, the world of haute couture and ready-to-wear is ready to put bright colors, patterns, and exaggerated pieces back into action. Accumulation of nostalgia, expression of vibrancy, body positivity, and a touch of glitter. This season is embracing the maximalist aesthetic. Essentially, more is more this fall. As we were all itching to go out and showcase our clothes last year, 2021 is about embracing the fun side of fashion and having a genuinely great time. Shake off the days of sweatpants and activewear, thank God, and slip on a sparkly suit or cutout dress. Whether you love the Y2K style, go wild for mini dresses, or dabble in the over-the-top silhouettes, here are the top fashion trends for 2021 that are so hot right now. So that is from The Trend Spotter. I was going to ask you where that was from. Yeah, The Trend Spotter. I just, I like... Is that a website? Uh, it is. Yes, it is uh, one of the spots you go to 
check out your, you know, fashion, one of the spots I go to check out fashion trends. The go-to spot. Yeah, I mean, it it really, it had like 20 of them, so I can't focus on all of them, but geometry is in, geometry class is in session is what they say. That's actually, excuse me, Harper's Bazaar's quote. Geometric patterns are everywhere. Bright and bold. Optimistic. I love that word for fashion. Optimistic. Vintage-inspired. It's all coming back, and it adds joy into your wardrobe. Dots, art deco, mixing and matching, geometric prints on top and bottom. So, like, geo, just think geo. It's everywhere. And I love geometric prints. I've always loved them. I gravitated towards them so much in my reversible wrap dress for my boutique. It's just something I enjoy. I like decorating in my home with geometric patterns, but a lot of the color stories that I've seen were kind of that vintage-inspired, like a burnt orange with like a cool olivey green. And I mean, it's just a really cool trend. I'm super excited to see it coming back. Another big trend for fall is a big, bold, solid color clash. And we're talking pink with neon orange in one outfit, like all solids, like a pink top with a neon orange bottom, purple with sunshine yellow, green with cobalt blue, brightening up your wardrobe. It's easy to feel optimistic to bring color back into your life through your wardrobe. I'm just really excited that like these are the the topics they're talking about in fashion is like clearly people have been depressed and they've, you know, had, you know, just uh, you know, we've gone through this pandemic and now it's like hitting the runways. It's so interesting how fashion always like what's happening in the world always hits the runways. And this is really one of the the first times I'm seeing it, you know, because here we are 2021. They would have been designing this a full year ago. So we're trying to just bring joy back into fashion and back into our wardrobes. And so, again, like you, like I said, like once you, you, you know, when there's been wars, you've seen military come into, you know, onto the runways big time and always olives and, you know, camo and that sort of stuff. So now you're seeing... I'm not a big fan of camouflage outfits. I don't, I actually don't like them at all. Just my, my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think camo has come and gone. I mean, it's never going to go out, you know, but sometimes you see it in fashion and it's an important trend and, you know, you have the right to feel that way about camo. I get it. You know, I happen to like wearing a little bit of camo here and there. I was never a camo wearer, but if you see me wear camo, I'm going to be wearing it with like an orange top or something. You know, I funkify it. Not only do I dislike camo, camouflage, but I like the, I dislike the term camo as well. Just want to get that on the record. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. But if you want to mix camo with yellow or Are you going to say camo 20 more times? Because I'm going to start throwing lemons at you. (laughs) So again, folks, just think big and bold, happy colors. Get out there. Buy yourself that yellow shirt or that orange pair of pants that you never thought you'd ever put on and rock it all day long. 
Another thing that's hitting the runways is this après ski look, which is for the daytime, nighttime, every daytime, like uh, après ski sweaters, like the Nordic sweaters and that sort of thing, but also ski looks like ski pants and ski coats. And it's like, you know, don't think just just the uh, slopes, think fashion. I don't know. I, I'm i not necessarily going to get down with this trend. I, if I'm going to wear ski wear, it's going to be for the mountains, not necessarily for my everyday wear. But I can appreciate a good, you know, Nordic sweater and very vibrant colors. I think that would be fun to wear. What was that old sweater that used to come from? I don't know. Oh, gosh, there's a name for it and I'll come up with it. But Also, last but not least, for what I'm going to talk about today is capes and ponchos. And I just have to say, thank God. I love a good cape. I love a good poncho. They have come and gone over many centuries. I mean, we've had centuries of capes and ponchos and trends of, you know, coming coming back and forth. But Gucci has one that is so freaking phenomenal. It is incredible at, you know, just a mere $3,700, but it is... $3,700 for a poncho? Yes, sir. Ay, ay, caramba. Yes, ay, caramba. Yes, sir. When I when Gucci. I moved to California in uh, 1984, I remember that's when I first discovered ponchos because out there you could get them everywhere, you know, Venice Beach. And, yeah, because that's kind of the the garment you yeah. want to wear in California as a yeah, poncho. You, you can take it on and off, Mexican right? you the border, obviously. Oh, for sure, so. that too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the history of the poncho necessarily, but I wonder if it does come from the Mexican roots. I would think so. Yeah, but the cape, you know, the cape has been around since, I don't know, Many, many moons. So, yeah, keep your eye on some cool capes. I would lo- like, I have this little capelet that I wear that's leopard. And I have another one that's like ar- a yellow and gray plaid. And I love those. I'll, I'll wear well, I gotta those. Well, I just happened to look this up because I was curious. But you, you, you may believe this or you may not. But Poncho's origins come from Ecuador and Peru mm-hmm. and South America. There you go. So I always go. thought it was Mexico. But well, it's I mean, not. Mexico. I'm sure take takes you know things from the, that culture oh, and yeah. vice versa, and it all crosses over. So that makes and there's a lot of sense. different kinds of ponchos. There's like several different traditional types of ponchos. Wow. Yeah, and just to circle back to that geometry and geometric patterns, you know, don't think just muted patterns. They're also very vibrant and lively and colorful. So. You know, I think I think the big takeaway I, I take from this fall winter trends is just don't be afraid of color. Bring it back into your wardrobe. Steve brought it back into his wardrobe today. Mike and I are in our dark purple grays, blacks. So I just want to touch quickly. I mean, I I just am feeling really sad about this whole Alec Baldwin Ugh, tragedy horrible. on the set and the woman who the director that was shot by accident and killed. DP, yeah, she was the director uh, director of photography, the DP. It's very sad. And I, I do want to say her name on air, and I'm going to just pull it up real quick. Elena Hutchins, I believe is how you pronounce it. Yeah, I, I wasn't 100%. Hal, Helena? I say oh, Helena, but okay. I could Helena, be Helena, maybe that's right. And she has a nine-year-old. And so I have a nine-year-old and I really just, but like, 
When you think about something like this happening on set, I mean, there should be like 10 people that double check a gun before a gun is used on set. How could a gun have a real live bullet? Didn't this have like a real bullet in it? Somebody, or was it a blank? Somebody, somebody screwed up. I mean, it's just this is a huge screw up. And screw it's too up. bad it's going to ruin Alec Baldwin's career pretty much because he's always going to be remembered about by this. See, this is where I, I beg to differ with you. I think that hopefully people have empathy for this situation. The the problem is in the in the country that we live in now that's so divided in how to the left Alec Baldwin's been with his you know, his yeah, Trump character right. on SNL, right. the right oh immediately God. went after him did hard, they? hard, oh, hard. They I did not like that him. side of it. And oh, they, they God. are going at, it would just be like when the right went after Dick Cheney for his, you know, shooting one of his friends on a hunting trip, you know, it, you it's, the the, it's the climate the that we live in. It's our, it's the, cli- it's not changing. Oh, it's only getting going to get worse. Jesus, I didn't even think about that. Like, uh, listen, I watch the the Jerry Seinfeld's riding around in cars getting coffee with comedians. I love that show. Like, my dad comes over to my house, and I put it on for him, and he can watch it for hours. It's really good. It's really well done, short, sweet. You know, he always highlights a really cool car that describes right. the, per- the comedian that he invites on, and then they go have a meal, and they interact in some sort of, you know, unusual place. And he's had Alec Baldwin on twice. And Alec Baldwin, he calls him, Jerry calls Alec the true gentleman because he's always dressed to kill. He always has cologne on. And he's always just— (laughs) Oh, please. That, that to me, represents a true gentleman. Um, No. Um, But, you know, he he just—he's an entertainer. He's polite. He has class. And this, to me, is just like— such a huge—I mean, he has six kids that are very young. Like, he could go to jail for this. You know, I mean, they're talking, like, 18 months minimum. And I just—I find that this, like, this is such a loophole to me, like, that somebody can shoot somebody on, like, on a set, and, like, they can die, and then this guy is going to go to jail for it, potentially? Like— I don't know. I, I'm, this I'm happened very two other times, actually. I thought it was only once with okay. Brandon Lee, but John Eric Hexum was killed by accidental self-inflicted blank cartridge gunshot to the head. I'm not sure. So that a blank can kill you. Is that the gist Apparently here? So Jesus, he was only 26 years. Why old Why do you even have happened. a blank in a gun? Does I get? I guess it doesn't make the sound if you don't have a gun. A blank in the gun, but I mean, how do you get? You, so you can die from a blank. I thought the whole point w- of a blank was so you wouldn't die from it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure a I lot of people won't agree with me depending on this the range. because a lot of people don't agree. But I don't like guns at all. Never touched one. Don't want to. Don't have any interest I in agree them. With that. I'm completely mm-hmm. against them. I think they're made for one thing, to kill, whether it's people or animals. And I'm not a fan of guns. In fact, I've been expressed my disinterest in models and photographers that use guns as props in their photo shoots. For some reason, they think it's sexy to put a half-naked girl in a photo with a gun in her hand. To me, I don't find it sexy at all. I would That's agree. Just my opinion. I would agree. I I have shot a gun once in my life. It was up in Vermont, and a bunch of guys, you know, had guns off the back of this house, and they were shooting at targets, and. 
I, you know, I got to say, there's a rush that you get from shooting a gun for sure, good, bad, or ugly, whatever way you want to look at it. it. I definitely put that gun down thinking, I never want to pick one up again. Yeah, they like, scared the hell out of me. It man. wasn't something that made me go, yeah, I want to do that again, you know? So I agree with you there, Steve. I mean, I... I I have neighbors who have guns, and my father hunted when he, when I was young. I remember, and thankfully, he never made me go hunting with him because the thought of seeing someone shoot an animal is upsetting to me. You know, of course, shooting another human being is like that's my point here with this Alec Baldwin thing. Is like I don't think I could live with He's myself. He's not going to be able to either. Probably, I don't think I could live with myself if I shot somebody by accident and killed them. I mean, it's one thing to injure somebody, but holy cow. His career might be over, basically. Oh, I just I just really, I want to just send my condolences out to everybody in this situation because it's it's really, it's really awful. It's just she really was awful. 42 years old. I know. And she was regarded as a really great DP, director of photography. And, and she apparently has ties here to the Boston area. Probably because they shoot a lot of films here, you know. She probably worked with a lot of people on film crews up here, you know. She She's from the Soviet Union, believe it or not. I didn't know that until I just read her. She's a very attractive woman. Very beautiful, beautiful woman. And she's got a husband and a Sad. son that are her... Yeah, it's really a sad situation. There's no... It's no matter how it ends, it's never going to be a happy ending to this. You know, no, nobody's going to be able to. And to your point, like the right, right activists are going to go after him. They and, are already. So. And that's just, I didn't, it didn't even. They hate him. Didn't even. He made fun of me. Trump every week on Saturday Night Live forever. You know, they just don't like him. I wonder what they'll do with this movie. What will happen with it? I because... think they should just. I'd be shocked if they don't just. Dr- dump the whole project apparently there's been there were problems with that gun before this happened you know i don't know all the details but i'm sure if you go online and look around you'll be able to find out yeah i'm just a lot of different stories about what happened didn't know weapon contained live rounds see what does live round mean doesn't that mean like a real bullet uh, to me, that means I, a real I'm confused I by the whole thing. To be honest with you, I, 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 uh. the whole th- they'll probably have a court case and everything, and it's going to be ugly. Either that, or he might have to settle. It depends on how the family feels. Well, about uh, they it. were walking out in, in. There's all sorts of photos. Like they're together walking out of a set, like out of somewhere. Like I don't know, but obviously that the DP and the director and the person put. They're always really tight the dps are really important per you have to be close otherwise you wouldn't work together he they're probably really good friends you know it would be like if i accidentally shot you it would be, how do you live with that you I, know? I don't know i don't know it's really it's really a sh- sad story so maybe we can live liven this up a little bit by talking about Dolly Parton today. You love Dolly Parton. You know, I just have uber respect for Dolly Parton. I really, really do. She, to me, like when she was young, she was just absolutely stunning. Absolutely gorgeous, curvaceous, gor- beautiful, talented. I mean, this woman reshaped the world of country music for women. Did she not? 
She did, and then she became a pop icon, right? You know, well, yeah, and that kinda... was, like, she made up that persona. That persona isn't necessarily who she is, quote-unquote. But Dolly Parton, like, she says she wanted the big wigs, and she wanted the sparkles, and she wanted the, like, audacious, you know, clothing and all that. I mean, she she created this kind of ditzy blonde character, you know, for herself, but that's very much not who she is you know, she's a very smart businesswoman. And she she started off in Nashville at age 13. She left Tennessee, her home in Tennessee, went to Nashville, and she made it, started singing at 13. She is the fourth child of 12 children. They lived in a one-room cabin at the base of the Appalachian Mountains. She is truly, truly self-made. And I just have a just uber respect for her. She was born in 1946. And, you know, when you think about some of the most incredible songs out there, you've got one of my personal favorites, and I love, love, love Kenny Rogers. I love Islands in the Stream. I've been singing it my whole life. I've taught it to my daughter now. Jolene, obviously, which has been, you know, covered by so many artists, right? Jump in here if you have anything well, I mean, to say it. about that. That song right there is a, a great crossover tune. You know, I mean, Miley Cyrus did it recently, you know, and she did a great version of and it. And apparently, Dolly Parton is Miley Cyrus's godmother. Yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. That's that's really interesting. So Billy Ray and Dolly Parton. They are good friends. And they when hang. they had when they had I'd um, hang out with those two. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. When when uh, Billy Ray had Miley Cyrus, he asked Dolly, Would you please be wow. her godmother? And she said, I accept. He's like, There's nobody else I'd want to have her as the godmother. So Thought that was a cute That's some little tidbit. Let me see if I can top that. Did you know she turned down Playboy magazine several times? God bless to be her. in Playboy. Good. She ended up on the cover, but not nude. I love it. I love to hear that. I see the cover right here. Just yeah. because you turned down Playboy on several occasions, right, sibling? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What would I do? If Playboy asked me to. I, I, yeah, I don't think I would. I don't a think I would do dollars? it. Dollars. Oh, to see God. your boobies? <laughs> my boobs? You could see my boobs for a million dollars. The rest of me? I don't know about uh, I that. I think I had 20 in my pocket. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> Keep your 20. My boobs oh, come are worth on. You're more ruining, than that. You're ruining our fans' flirtatious expectations <laughs> of us by saying that. Well, if you we were in New Orleans, free, you'd show if we were boobs. in New Orleans, I'd, I'd show my boobs for some beads. For free. <laughs> Not in this little, you know, room in the basement of Sorry, you know, New Alliance here. So, you know what's surprising to me is that Dolly Parton never had kids. Really? I did not know this. Wow. But when she was nine years old, her mother had all these babies, right? She was four, the fourth of 12. And her mother said, this little baby is yours to take care of. Each, each, one, each one of the kids had to take care of the kid that came. And she had this little baby brother, and he died. And I think subconsciously that's got to mess you up. I mean, this little baby died within four days or his first week of life, and it was Dolly's baby. And I can only imagine that that kept her from ever wanting to, you know, have kids subconsciously, consciously, whatever it was. I mean, obviously it was a sick child, but, you know, it was Dolly's baby, and then it, you know— 
he no he didn't live. And then get this, somebody left a baby on her doorstep. And the baby's name was Jolene. And like left a baby on the doorstep of Dolly Parton's house. You really house. did your homework on this. Wow. I did. That's incredible. I did. So that was bizarre. And That's she That's before the song Jolene was written or it must have been afterwards. It must have been after. No, I'll tell you exactly what inspired her. So she was singing in a crowd, and there was this little beautiful redhead little girl with green eyes and light skin, and she was just looking up at Dolly with like an autograph ready, and the and Dolly stopped everything and she said, "Hi, sweetheart. What is your name? Aren't you cute? You know, you're such a beautiful little girl." And her name was Jolene. Wow. And she sang Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. What a beautiful name. I think I'm going to write a song about that. And then when she married her husband, there was a bank teller that was flirting with him that was a redhead. And that's how the lyrics of Jolene come into place because she writes about like this jealousy, this woman that's flirting with her man. And so she comboed those two real life experiences to, to write the lyrics for that. Did you know she wrote over 3,000 songs? I did not know that. Uh, I, I Will Always Love You, I think, was the, uh, okay. the big yeah. tune that, that she wrote. That, for... That's my next one that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. So the whole reason I wanted to talk about Dolly Parton was for me as a young woman, Whitney Houston was a big part of mm-hmm. my growing up. I believe it. And Greatest Love of All, huge song of mine that I love. But I Will Always Love You. The way Whitney sang that song was just absolutely captivating. And I had no idea that Dolly Parton wrote that song until recently when I was, you know, kind of going over some stuff that we would talk about for the podcast. And I discovered that it was Dolly's song. And like, holy cow, I think if you're going to write a song and a song is going to go, you know, top the charts, like... You want Whitney to sing one of your songs and take it to the level that it got taken to. Now she got nominated for an Oscar for that for uh, writing an Oscar. I'm sure there, like, I'm sure there were so many awards for that song on so many. She's in a select group to have been nominated for an Oscar, a Grammy, a Tony, and an Emmy, which is pretty amazing. So nominated, but she didn't yes. get the I got. <laughs> uh, she probably Mike, won. I, I don't have the list of awards, but I'm sure she's won a lot of so awards. So here's some great little tidbit here with the I Will Always Love You is early on in the, the song's life, Elvis came to Dolly and said, I, I, I want to sing that song. And the management started to negotiate it, and they wanted half <laughs> of, of they the uh <laughs> What is it called? Publicity rights? Publishing. Publishing rights. And Dolly said, I cannot give you half. I cannot do it. And thank God she was smart enough to do that because she said she cried herself to sleep. And Priscilla Presley told her that when they were when they got divorced, on the day they got divorced, Elvis sang that song to her in the car. I will always love you. But he never got to sing it. And Dolly cried about it because she was like, I can't believe I just turned down the king of rock and roll. The smartest thing a songwriter can do, if there's any songwriters out there, is not give up your publishing because it's the one most valuable thing that you have is the ownership of your songs. Too many artists do publishing deals. They'll take a bunch of money up front from a publishing company and then 
they'll have they'll never recoup it, you know, and they'll they'll never get more. But if you continue, if you own the song and it's yours your whole life, no matter what happens with it, the royalties come directly to you. So that was so like, I think she did the right thing. One hundred percent. So that was what I was going to ask you. So how does that work? So. Publishing rights means that you receive royalties for the song. So just if the you songwriting gave... aspect of it, not the actual uh, physical copies or the digital play. This is just actually what you get for the song, mm-hmm. not plays. So meaning, like, so if Elvis comes to Dolly and says, "I want to buy half," I want to buy half the publish publish publication rights. He probably just wanted his name on it and. To get part but how of the much song does a writing. song like you're saying it's the cost of it the con- song de- like yeah every song is worth you know it it depends how do you value a song cost by airplay by sales by a lot of different things but was she no I mean she did sing okay so the original reason why she saw, she wrote that song was to get out of the musical show she was on with that guy oh gosh I should know his name but um, she was on a show that he made her famous. It was a combo show where he was like the lead guy. She wanted to get out of the show because she could see that she needed to. Oh, the Porter Wag Wagner show. Porter Wagner, he's yeah. pretty legendary. Self. So she, he brought her on as kind of the the female act, mm-hmm. like kind of the sidebar. And then she realized that she had the ability to go further than him, and she wrote, "I will always love you," for him. Wow. To get out of the show. She actually went to his office and sang it to him. And he goes, okay, Dolly, I'll let you go. That was the re- that was the reason why she wrote that song. Yeah. And she, I mean, he, he was also not giving her half of the show. He wasn't giving her, you know, the monetary value that she felt she was bringing to the show. So she wrote, I will always love you for him to get out of that um, deal. But that's interesting. So... But so that that's my question because like at that time I don't think that that song had as much airplay right so maybe the song didn't have as much value but she knew that it was a hit. That's song, where a lot right? of songwriters make mistakes. They right. sell their stuff early on and they don't visualize or imagine how big a song can be. You know, but how could you? I mean, like you, I don't know. You, how you, can you? You can't. But you got to believe in what you're what you're doing. You know, I mean, it's like, I mean, I I'll never forget. I was at a panel once at a at a uh, convention in California. It was the Foundation's Music Convention, and Peter Paterno, at at the time, he represented a lot of artists and and labels. He represented Guns and Roses, and he gave a whole speech on why he told the band not. That everyone offered millions of dollars for Guns N' Roses publishing, and he made them turn everything down. And now they're set. They own those songs. They, they'll always own them. Another band I worked with, Poison, did a publishing deal with Zomba Music, and each member was giving a million-dollar advance. But they didn't know that their records were going to end up selling 16 million copies. They... You know, a million, someone says, I want to give you a million dollars for something. A lot of people are going to say yes. But if you really have a lot of faith and believe in what you're doing, you won't do a publishing deal. Mm-hmm. Bands I've managed, I've told to turn down publishing deals, and they have. So, but, you know, not all of them became, you know, 
millionaires, but it's, it's what you believe in. If you believe in it, I wanted to say one other thing about Dolly Parton. She's got a lot of records out. I couldn't even count them all, but she does have a new album coming out scheduled for next year called run Rose run. So she's still recording albums at 76, I think five. Yeah. 75 75 years old. And she's still recording. She's born the same year. My mom was, she's 75 years old. Um, she is also worth $350 million, and she is a self-made woman. And she had a lot to do with the feminist movement, remember, 9 to 5. The movie 9 oh, to yeah. 5 <laughs> was about a bunch of three secretaries that wanted to, you know, revolt against their male chauvinist boss, who was a man. So, you know, I think she she's made her mark, and she also devotes so much of her time and energy into helping people. Like, I, I, just, I just think she's I've like— I've never heard anyone say a bad thing about her. Right? I don't think that you could. I mean, if you did, shame on you. (laughs) So anyway, my hat's off to Dolly Parton. I've always loved her music. I uh, would never change the radio if a Dolly Parton song came on. So uh, You surprise me sometimes with your idols, but (laughs) I, I, I get it. I get Dolly Parton. I get it. Yeah. No, I really dig her. Um, why don't you uh, give us your new music for the week? Well, you know, I've been spending a lot of time listening to a lot of new artists, and I heard this song the other day. It was a rock song, and I was really surprised when I went to watch the video, and it was Willow Smith, who's the daughter of actress-musician Jada Pinkett Smith and actor-musician Will Smith, who everyone knows. And this is her fourth album. And what caught my attention is... Is she did a uh, collab, collabs are really big now, with Avril Lavigne and Travis Barker, who you might not recognize his name, but he's the drummer from Blink-182, a big, big punk band. And uh, the album, Lately I Fell Everything, I listened to several songs. She writes all her own songs. And she's a decent guitar player. She's a really good singer. And she's got some star, star power along with her. Now, she's African-American, so it surprised me that when I listened to it, it reminded me of Olivia Rodrigo's style of poppy punk, and it's a total poppy punk record. And then I watched her on Jimmy Fallon, and she rocked it out, and I was like, holy cow, I did not expect Will Smith's daughter to be a little punk rock girl, and she is. I didn't know that either. So I would highly recommend, that's my pick of the week, Willow Smith. Uh, daughter of Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith. And uh, of course, people are going to say, well, there's some more, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Oh, my God. I can't believe I can't remember the word when you're someone in your family. Uh, Legacy? Oh, no? my God. I that Somebody in your family. Nepotism. Oh. It's like a lot of people say, well, this is nepotism at work once again. But I don't think anyone could ever realize if they heard this new album that she was Will Smith's daughter. I mean, she's a punk rock girl. Okay. Mm. And so I found it extremely And I thought his son was also like did some music songs I don't know too. anything about any of their kids. And the only reason I found that out is because I heard the song and I went on her, her bio. And you tried and to figure I out who she was. Who she, when I saw who her parents <laughs> were, funny. I was like, wow, really? Wow. Interesting. Well, that's cool. All right. We'll have to check it out. I love rock and um, I You'll appreciate it. Like it. It's good. You know, it's catered more for the younger audience, but, you know, yeah. or people like me that refuse to get old and, not, and still listen to like, you know, 
18-year-olds bringing the Listen, I'm rock. listening to 21 Pilots and Imagine Dragons every day of my life because my kid loves both of those. And nice. we rock out in the car to both of them. I mean, I woke up this morning singing Lonely to Myself or something, one of the songs that we listen to all the time. But, I mean, my kid has great taste in music, and I I enjoy listening to what she talks about. Lastly, I wanted to just touch on a, on a restaurant. Um, I've been helping out at a restaurant just to kind of make ends meet a little bit. And it's called Alchemy and it's in Linfield in the Linfield marketplace. And they've got an event space, a room that they can do events in. I'm going to be helping them with that. They have a really unique menu. They have a whole side of their menu that is like all this really incredible sushi. Is it like near Route 1 since Linfield is pretty much Route 1 and 129? It's right on 95, right off of 95. It would have been I used to live in Wakefield, right next door to Linfield. Yeah, yeah. A lot of hockey players live there. (laughs) A lot of Bruin players have always lived in Linfield for some reason. that's interesting. I didn't know that. It's an uppity area. Well, it's, yeah, it's definitely, but it's a whole, like a whole shopping mall area that's outside. What kind of food does Alchemy have? It's everything. I mean, it definitely has a jack. Japanese, you know, twist to it. There's a lot of nori and soy, a little like hints here and there, but there's salads, there's uh, entrees, there's fish, there's burgers, but they have a, they have a tapas. It's, it's a very eclectic menu. It's Sounds part of the it. Serenity group, which owns Opus and Maggie's Farm and a lot of, it's all North Shore restaurants. I ain't going to work on Maggie's Farm no more. Oh, was that a song? Bob Dylan, sorry. <laughs> okay, there you go. The bus. I wonder. Out. I wonder if that was the inspiration behind that. But yeah, it's you know they have really good, cool mixed drinks, and it's in the space where the old Gaslight was. So it's a huge restaurant. If you're there, it must be good. That's all I have to say about it, Sibylline. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, it's doing the trick for now. But I do want to manifest a whole lot of other stuff. I want to manifest some more uh, art sales and some more gallery openings. We have been at the Brockton Public Library with my mom and dad's work as well as my own. That comes to a close on October 30th. And then I believe I have another exhibit going up. I have to actually confirm with him today. But another exhibit going up at the Enzo Gallery in Brockton after this, which will hopefully be... Hanging out in the South Shore, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to get some stuff back up here on these parts because I don't have, you know, anybody that really can come down to the Brockton area necessarily. I mean, I did have some people that came down to our Meet the Artists. So it was they're nice, going to start doing shows here again. So you should definitely uh, I would talk love to someone to. at New Alliance Gallery. I would love to be Absolutely. able to get a show here. I'd love to get my mom's, some of my mom and dad's work in here. So I guess I'd like to close out on my traditional. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to give some yeah. info first, and yeah, and, let's do that, and give a shout out to Anna Marie Houlihan. She's our our patron, our newest patron, and you know you can go on to the patron site, which is patreon.com forward slash seems to me. And you can become a patron too. Which means supporting us through financial measures so that we can keep this podcast going because this comes out of our own pocket. So the more you support us, the more we can keep going. Absolutely. And, you know, you can uh, check out uh, the Instagram page at at seems to me, Sib, Steve. And then uh, you can write us at seems, S-C-S-R at gmail.com. Ta-da! 
All right. So thank you, Steve, for giving us that little tidbit. And I'm going to close us out today with a beautiful affirmation. It's just a way of sending out positive vibes into the universe to receive positive positivity back, whether it's through love, whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, whether it's abundance in every way, any way, shape, form, you know, shape and form. So here we go. I am deeply appreciative and grateful of all the abundance that is appearing in my life at this time. I have put in the work and I fully deserve to receive all of these wonderful blessings in my life. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Peace. Voices recorded at Voice Motel, voicemotel.com. Your complete podcast recording experience. Located in Union Square, Somerville, Massachusetts.